sons and daughters. I'm John Miller, and this is Locked on Mizzou, your destination for partisan Missouri Tigers football and basketball talk five days a week. And today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar, a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code Locked On, and you'll get $10 off your first order. And today, well, we've got a bit of a variety pack of a show. Speaking of variety packs, you can get those over at Built Bar as well. Well, we've got a little bit of a mixed bag as well, including some X's and O's talk in the second segment. We're going to talk a little defense, Ryan Walters' style of defense, and how that, I think, has been factoring into Mizzou's recruiting style lately. And also, well, you know my day job is a day trader. I'm, I'm into economics, that's for sure, and I'll have a bit of a sports econ segment that, honestly, I think you'll find pretty darn interesting. But first, I want to continue what I've been doing lately, and that's analyzing future Tigers. And today, I want to talk about Ryan Horstcamp, another member of the 2021 upcoming class. Ryan's from Washington, Missouri. He played tight end and defensive end at... At his high school, he's 6'4", 225 pounds. I do believe that Ryan is going to play tight end at Mizzou, though. That certainly seems to be where he was recruited to play. And, well, as far as tight ends goes, he's definitely a traditional type. He's not your Martin Rucker or Chase Kaufman type, although you would see moments where horse camp was split out wide. He definitely can... You know, at 6'4", he can jump up in the air, showed some ability to high point the football. We'll have to see how his speed translates to the SEC. I don't know. We'll just have to see, won't we? But one thing that's definitely going to translate, again, he's 6'4", 225. That's a pretty good build for a junior in high school, a tight end, I would certainly say. And, you know, it sure seems like Eli Drinkwitz, he is he's attracted him and his staff really like physical players whether it's at at corner whether it's at receiver or certainly at tight end and horse camp definitely fits the bill because well when you watch his highlights it definitely stands out his blocking man when he puts his hand in the ground and it lines up at traditional tight end you know i've i've you rarely see so many guys putting up highlights of their run blocking but my goodness there's a good reason he had several moments of his run blocking on his highlights because man he was just punishing dudes into the ground it was really fun to watch and honestly he was doing it after the whistle a few times too so you might want to clean that up a little bit kid but honestly that's that's one of those things where I'd rather have a kid who's too aggressive just like in basketball I'd much rather have somebody who's maybe a little bit too eager to shoot as opposed to afraid to shoot because I feel like, well, it's easier to adjust the guy who's not afraid. And by the same token, clearly Horse Camp and a lot of recent recruits for Mizzou, these guys are definitely not afraid of contact. And, well, if i got to you know, ease them in a little bit, I actually that's a high-quality problem is what I'm trying to say. But Horse Camp showed nice hands. And, again, one thing I like about receivers, I like guys who – primarily catch the ball with their hands as opposed to their the body, the forearms, where they just trap the ball against their body. Horse camp is definitely more of the hands-catching variety. And, and actually, you could see it, ironically enough, with him on defense. There was a couple plays where he just snatches the ball 
from the quarterback from the balls fired at him from about you know five ten feet away and he still manages to make the catch and even went all the way for a touchdown in fact I saw him score no less than three defensive touchdowns as an end and well it looked like he was pretty pretty productive on that end of the field too so you know another guy who just looks like a good overall football player and you know again if he's playing defensive end going after the quarterback again the guy definitely is an aggressive football player he loves contact loves to just finish you off put your face into the dirt I don't know call me old-fashioned but I like that kind of stuff so you know frankly he's going to be it's obvious that horse camp is going to be a a definite benefit in the running game all that good stuff we'll just have to see how his route running how his speed all that stuff how that stacks up at the next level but overall I really liked what I saw from this prospect from Washington Missouri and I do want to get into my X's and O's segment here and I promise we're not going to get too technical in fact this is going to be really basic stuff that I talk about so you know what if you're maybe not as much of an X's and O's type, then I think this will be a beneficial segment for you. But but first of all, I do have to tell you guys once again about something that's not complicated, and that's going to BuiltBar.com. Because yes, Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. Comes in 16 awesome varieties, eight of which are nut-filled, and eight, nope, no nuts whatsoever. So for those of you who may have a bit of an allergy, a bit of a sensitivity to nuts. Well, we got you covered over at Built Bar because those two products, they're the ones with the nuts, the ones without the nuts, separate facilities. So you'll be good to go. Nothing to worry about whatsoever. Built Bar has got you covered. Honestly, the peanut butter brownie, the mint brownie, those two are probably my favorites. But you know what? When you got a snack that's high in protein, low in sugar, tough to go wrong with any of them so go to builtbar.com and use the promo code locked on for ten dollars off your first order again that's promo code locked on at builtbar.com for ten dollars off your first order well everybody likes to be the old monday morning quarterback right the armchair quarterback well that's a lot about that's a lot what i do on this show right say things that happened in retrospect and well here's what here's what he should have done hey he should have thrown the ball here why did he call time out there yada 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 well you know what's even more fun than being an armchair quarterback or a monday morning quarterback being in the moment quarterback yes as your as the, your team is walking up to the snap as maybe Sean Robinson is about to receive a shotgun snap this fall You know what? Put yourself in his shoes and think, what's open here? Where's the holes in the defense? What what is being given up and what's being defended here? Well, the thing is, the way you figure that out, you figure out some of that stuff before the snap, or at least you try to get the best reads you can before the snap. But then, of course, everything changes after the snap. That's when you really find out what was the defense doing. Well, for those of you, this is if you're advanced on X's and O's, maybe this segment isn't for you, but for those of you who maybe don't think about this stuff that much, I think you'll you'll enjoy this. Because if you're a quarterback, really the first thing that you're going to do or a receiver, anybody for that matter, the first thing you're going to do is check to see if the defense is in a single high safety or two deep safeties. For the most part, 
that's going to be your safety setups. So what am I talking about here? Well, in single high, there is, as you might expect, one free safety in the deep middle part of the field. And for the most part, he's going to help out. He's either going to cover the middle of the field in a cover three style zone, or maybe it's cover one man-to-man defense. And in that case, he's basically going to help out on any deep routes, maybe some, maybe a post route too, perhaps, depending on the sort of routes that are run. Now, the deal is, of course, defensive coordinators and players and safeties, well, they're very aware of this simple pre-snap read as well. So what do they do often? Well, they just they often try to disguise what type of coverage they're in, or indeed, if they're in single or two high safeties. So right before the snap, you might see that second safety start creeping toward the line of scrimmage, trying to time time the snap to some extent. He may be blitzing. He may be taking a shorter zone. but And the same is true for, of obviously, two deep safeties. Sometimes one of those safeties is going to creep toward the middle of the field, the line of scrimmage, and then revert back and just sprint back to, the, to his deep half of the field there. But the point is, generally speaking, Ryan Walters, the Missouri defense, the last couple of years under his tutelage, has mostly been a single high safety style defense. Now the advantages to that are pretty obvious versus having two safeties deep. Well, you have one more guy closer to the line of scrimmage, helps out a little bit more in run support, but you're also, well, you're going to be a little bit more apt to give up big plays in the passing game if you have only one safety deep as opposed to two. We can all see that. There's obviously a lot of give and take a lot of cat and mouse when it comes to the X's and O's of football. But because Ryan Walters prefers a often a, a cover one man-to-man style defense, he's usually playing physical style coverage. And I think that, in large part, is why Missouri is recruiting so many defensive backs that are 6'1 to 6'3". It's because he wants to disrupt the offense's timing. He wants to disrupt their routes. And really, in college football, if you've got a good quarterback and good receivers who are on the same page, if you just let the guy stand back and time his his coverages, you know, a guy who can read coverages, if you just let the timing of the play develop exactly as the receivers and the quarterback are expecting it, well, that can be almost impossible to stop at times. Now you're just you're hoping for an errant throw or a drop at that point. But that's clearly not what Ryan Walters is doing. He's trying to throw the receivers off their timing and all that good stuff. But And obviously, in order to do that, you need some bigger corners that can actually put a jam on a lot of these receivers who are six foot four, six foot five, and have just svelte 220 pounds, that kind of deal. And even in a cover three type zone, which is also a single high safety style defense. Basically, if you're, you imagine the one safety in the middle of the field takes the middle third of the field, and then the two corners on the outside, they take those other two thirds on the boundary of the field. Well, if you think about it, sometimes, yeah, while those corners are going to have to sprint back, they still want to get a good jam before they start covering that deep third of the field there. So again, all of this just sort of pairs together and shows why Missouri, in my opinion, is very much looking for physical corners and safeties. Again, to me, it's just all about getting good jams on receivers, 
disrupting timing because you can't always just count on your pass rush to get home. That's for sure. Sometimes you got to mess up the quarterback and the receivers, their communication, all the reps, and just mental muscle memory that they have. All right, and I do want to talk about money in college football coming up in just a little bit. But speaking of money, i got to tell you guys all about rockauto.com. You see, if you want to save a little bit of money and you're a wrencher, especially a car guy, well, I can't think of a better way to do so than by going to rockauto.com. Because here's the deal. Lots of these big box auto parts places and God forbid the dealership are always looking to jack up prices on you. They're always looking to bleed you for everything you're worth because, well, quite honestly, you're not a professional. They don't need your volume as much as they need the professional mechanics and the dealerships and all that good stuff. So what does that mean? That means that they charge the professionals lower prices than me and you. What kind of nonsense is that? Well, the good news over at rockauto.com, you get everyday, reliably low prices all the time, no matter what, any make and model you could possibly think. So, once again, go to rockauto.com. When you check out, put locked on is where you found out about rockauto.com. Give us some credit. I promise you, you will not regret it. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the cars, all the parts, I should say, your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. By the way, the Locked On Podcast Network stands against racism and social injustice. That's why we, the hosts, are making personal donations to local and national organizations that are fighting for change. And in the month of June, Locked On is matching the total of all host donations up to an additional $10,000. To make your own donation along with us, please visit LockedOnPodcasts.com slash Black Lives Matter. And well, if Locked On is going to take a political stance, well, perhaps maybe I shall as well. (laughs) Get ready, everybody. No, seriously, this isn't going to be that controversial, I promise. Well, unless you're in the econ department. But, you know, is it not amazing how many big companies during this period, like, say, a American Airlines, it sure seems like, yeah, they haven't gotten any bailouts yet, but it sure like seems like a lot of them are kind of positioning themselves that way. And by the same token, and the reason I say this is because, yes, COVID-19, certainly this whole shutdown, all this weird stuff has been unprecedented. But at the same time, everything's unprecedented until it happens. Yes, you can forgive people for not seeing a pandemic coming, but you could certainly have seen something coming. You could have certainly seen a rainy day of some sort coming. And by the same token, the college sports model is sort of much the same as these large companies. It's spin, spin, spin. Whatever you get, it's got to be spent. It's like this obsession with growth, right? It's almost in the stock market. See, here's the example I'll make here. If I had a business that made that had made $1 million a year for the last 10 years, would that, be an in, would that be a business that you would be interested in possibly purchasing? Yeah, I would say it would be, just sight unseen, just with that piece of information alone. But of course, in the stock market, 
If you made the exact same profit every single year for 10 straight years, well, that would likely result in your stock dropping in price because, well, again, the stock market is obsessed with growth. Now, by the same token, the college model, the college athletics model, again, they have to spend virtually everything that comes in through their doors because, well, legally they're considered a nonprofit organization. Now, that's obviously a bit of a misnomer, the nonprofit designation. It makes people think that, well, you're poor, quite honestly. And obviously, in the case of many athletic departments, including the University of Missouri, poor is not exactly the word that I would use to describe them. Now, the irony of this is that the dominant financial monetary theory that is basically throughout all of finance, all of Wall Street, and certainly all of college academia for the most part, is something called Keynesian economic theory, named after a fella, a British fella named John Maynard Keynes, hence Keynesianism. And basically Keynes' whole thing was as long as money is changing hands, as long as people are spend, spend, spending, then everything's going to be fine, and that's what a healthy economy looks like. But the problem is, at least in my opinion, in the opinion of lots of other people on the Austrian side, you see, this is a big argument in economics, folks. It's the Austrians versus the Keynesians. Well, the Austrians believe that, no, you actually need to produce something, and in order to produce something, you actually have to save something every once in a while, too. But the savings part of it is just not present really whatsoever in Keynesian economic theory or indeed in nonprofit organizations. It's really kind of bizarre. And the deal is it's all fine and good to spend, spend, spend as long as the good times keep rolling. The problem is until there's a financial calamity of some sort, maybe there's a pandemic, maybe there's a war, who knows, it all seems to go great until then. And then all of a sudden, like say Major League Baseball right now, there's a whole bunch of teams that are crying poor because, oh my goodness, we can't possibly have one year where we lose money. Well, you could if you managed your money well and actually had some savings. See, this is when savings is important. The whole thing of saving for a rainy day. And here's the deal. I'll admit that I'm guilty of this mentality too when it comes to the Mizzou Athletic Department. All right? I'm just as guilty of all of you. Because guess what? I wanted Missouri to spend on Eli Drinkwitz. I was glad they shelled out the $4 million for him. But I will just say that that, in my opinion, getting the head coach, the guy who's running the ship, now that is a much better use of money and a direct has a direct impact on the football program, the amount of interest in the football program, versus sort of these glitz and glamour facilities that we've seen. At least that's my theory anyway. For instance, the whole south end zone thing with that giant weight room, the locker rooms, that huge video board. I mean, hey, it all looks cool. Don't get me wrong. I like it. It's neat. But at the same time, don't don't spend all of that money on these huge, shiny new objects and then sit here and cry to me because, oh, well, we're out of money. And this isn't specific to Missouri because, again, this legally this is kind of the way they have to do business. So on a certain level, I get it. 
But it's also a little bizarre to act like, well, there's no money in college football, is there? No, just the whole model is just really bizarre and sort of based on these antiquated rules and this this idea of amateurity that, frankly, never really applied to college athletics. You see, back in the day, am, the idea of amateur athletics was this super exclusive thing where it was like, oh, only the super-duper wealthy were the amateur athletics. Like, the pros were considered, you know, the working class, that, ki- that type of deal. So the amateur athletics was even more elitist than it is today in some ways. It's kind of interesting. Some interesting history there, that's for sure. And you know what? Speaking of history... There's been a lot of controversy on the Mizzou campus lately, and you know what? I think I'm going to have to delve into it a little bit later this week. So we're going to have to talk about Christopher Columbus. Hey, Columbia, named after Christopher Columbus. Huh, interesting. Is the name Columbia going to have to go? Are we going to have to get rid of the Thomas Jefferson statue? Well, I'm going to weigh in on all these ideas later in the week. And as always, don't forget to check out Blake Lavelle's Locked On SEC program. Anywhere you find your podcasts, Spotify, Apple, all that good stuff. So, until next time, I'm John Miller, and this has been Locked on Mizzou.